Father, we thank you for the opportunity now to come before this congregation with the word of the Lord. I pray, O oh God, that you will open in my understanding and my mind and help me to recall and to preach the things that you've given to me in the prayer closet. I ask you to move upon us now, O oh Lord, with your favor and your blessing. And let us experience a manifestation of your spirit among us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And amen. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns. Forever He reigns. He is a ruling God. He is the creator God. He is the eternally perfect, uncreated creator. You'll probably have to think a little bit as we go along because some of these statements will cause you to think. He is the uncreated creator. He is the maker of all things. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Amen. He is our maker and we are fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says. We all have a maker and that is our creator God, Yahweh. Yahweh our great God. He is the sustainer and he is the ruler of all things. All things consist by the word of his mouth. He is the ruling, sovereign, all-powerful, omniscient, omnipresent, ruling God of everything and everybody. Praise his wonderful name. He is one God eternally existing co-equally with three persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 verse 14 that he was, Jesus was made flesh. The Son of God was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. He is the sustainer of all things. He is the God who created all things, who rules over everything. In fact, the Bible said every morning he rolls out the heavens. Amen. The Bible tells us that he rides upon the flood. The Bible tells us many of these metaphorical statements to help us know who God is and what he does. At the core of his existence he is an immature, immaterial being. He's not made of flesh and bone like we are. In fact, the Bible tells us God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Praise the Lord. So God is not a material being like we are. And yet we use statements and descriptive terms, metaphorical terms, to help us understand God. They're called anthropomorphisms. And they are taking things that we understand and trying to attribute them to God, like the eyes of God, and uh, like the hand of God, like the, the Lord walks in, in, the, in the shadows. The, the, the Lord has this about his being and all of these 
uh, metaphorical anthropomorphisms about us that we understand. You see my hands and my feet and my mouth, my eyes, my ears, and metaphorically, biblical literature tells us about a God that has eyes that can see, a, a God that has a mouth that speaks and ears that hear like we do. That's so we can understand him. But we can't really understand him because it's beyond our comprehension to comprehend God. He is greater than the creation. I said he is greater than all of creation. Therefore, he dwells in a light that no man can approach into. He is a, a God who is unparalleled and is unequal. There is none like him. There is none beside him. He is eternally and always has been and always will be the eternal God, the creator and the sustainer and the ruler of all things. Would somebody give him glory in this house and praise the Lord. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. It's foolish for us to even think that things could be as they are in the world today and there not be a God. Then evolutionism and those kind of sciences would uh, try to argue, but the truth is you can't have a creation without a creator. You got to start with something. Somebody say amen. amen. And what science cannot do is they cannot Create out of nothing. Only God can create out of nothing. Science cannot do it. There's no other power, no ingenuity, no intellect that can take nothing and make something. But on that glorious day in eternity past, when God made a decision and made a choice, you see, God has a personhood he dwells and he exists in a personhood, a personhood that makes choices, a, a personhood that makes decisions, a personhood that plans and a personhood that has a, a, a future about him. He has a personality. He is a, a, a divine person. We believe in three persons eternally existing in one Godhead. Amen. Praise God. And these three are all one, the Bible says. These three are co-equal in their attributes. It's, it's like a pretzel. If I take a pretzel and I'm holding a pretzel, there may be hole number one, hole number two, and hole number three. But hole number three can't be hole number two. And hole number two can't be hole number one. But they're all made out of the same dough. What does that mean? That means our God is of the same essence, of the Holy Spirit, the Jesus, the Son of God, the Father God, and that Father image and that Father mentality. We'll go a little bit further with that in a few moments, but, but that's what helps us know that our God, hallelujah, is three persons in one that has co-equal uh, essence about them. Praise God for that. Amen. At the core of his existence, he is an immaterial, immaterial being. John 4 and 23 and 24 says, God is a spirit. And he is not a physical being at his core. 
but he became a man, but in his eternal state, he is a spirit. Psalm 119 tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. At the core of that, that glory of God, at the core of all of the things about his divine essence, there is this, this personality of God. God has no past and God has no future. God dwells in one eternal now. Woo. God is not like us. He doesn't age. God isn't like us. He doesn't have a, a, a past and, and, a, and a future. He dwells in a now. Praise God. You need to understand that next time you're going through something. God's already at the end of it. God already knows the outcome of it. God all knows, already knows tomorrow. He already knows next week and the day after that. He already knows next month. He already knows about uh, last week at the office. This, he knows everything because he dwells in one eternal now. We dwell in a, a, a date that's called time and space. But there's a word for God it is the transcendency of God. That means that God sits outside of time and space. I said that means that God sits outside of time and space. He's not in time and space. He created time and space. Glory to God. In fact, the Bible said in the beginning, in the beginning, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Well, there was no beginning unless he created a beginning. So in the beginning, God created a beginning, and then in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth because all things were made by him. The beginning was made by him. Praise God. God knows all about time and space, but he sits outside of it. He's not limited by time and space. He is everywhere present at one time. That's called omnipresence. The Greek term omni meaning all-consuming, everywhere. That means God is here while we're having this service. God is with the good Baptist folks over at Golden Springs Baptist. God is down the street with the folks at St. Mark's Methodist. He's uh, across the, the, the way there with the, in any church there, where they're worshiping today. He's there. In fact, wherever two or three are gathered together, he said, I'll be there. Whether that two or three is in Bangkok, Thailand, or whether that two or three is, is in Jerusalem, Israel, or whether that two or three is in Paris, or that two or three is in Washington, wherever two or three come together, he said, I'll be there. Well, God, how could you be there unless you're omnipresent? That he has the capacity, he's not limited by space. He's not limited by location but he sits outside of space, sits outside of time. Praise God, isn't that powerful? Amen. In that he, 
sees the whole picture. By sitting outside of time and space, he can see both ways, and it's just one eternal now. And one day, on an ordinary day, just like this day, the Lord is going to come and the trumpet's going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise. Hallelujah. And we shall go to meet the Lord in the air. And then we'll go with the Lord to the presence of the Father where there will be one eternal day for every one of us. We will live in a city where there is no, there is no night. Amen. We'll live in a city that is not ruled by time nor space. We'll just live with God in his eternal now, his eternal day. That's where God is. And one day he's fixed it that where I am, there you may be also. Hallelujah. That you'll enjoy the same things that I enjoy as being outside of time and space. For the angels stood and declared, and time shall be no more. Oh, I want to live in a place where time shall be no more. Amen. The sun won't ever come up and the sun won't ever set. There are no moons and there are no stars. There's nothing that would indicate time or space to anybody or anything, but we'll forever be in an eternal now. And God is already in that eternal now. Isn't that great? So the things that bother us don't bother him. And the things that worry us don't worry him. Because he's watching the whole picture and he's controlling everything anyway. And I want you to know God has not lost control. You may watch the evening news and think things are out of control. You may look, look at uh, Face the Nation and meet the press and hear all the depressing news in the world. And you may watch and see how tornadoes came through and, and killed people in Mississippi. And you may hear all of this destruction and all of this stuff. But I want to tell you, God is in control. He's in control. He's in control of everything. And he's in control of every situation. He never loses control. He's not limited by time and space. There's never been a time when God did not exist. From everlasting to everlasting. Say it. Thou art God from eternity past to eternity future thou art God praise his wonderful name but on that great morning when he decided and he chose to speak the word of creation he said let there be light and I love the next verse, and there was light. Kind of leads me to believe that God's in charge and God is in control. Let there be light, and there was light. Praise God. 
In fact, he spoke the world into existence. He spoke all that we know, all that we see, all that we feel, all that we taste, all that we smell. He created all things. Nothing was made that was not made by him. Goodness, what an awesome God, what a mighty God who just looked out into nothing and said, let there be light. And there was light. The greater light he named the sun and the lesser night light he named the moon now you're not going to get the good announcement if you don't start answering better than that god put all things in their place and he so minutely put them in place that everything works to the millionth of a second Everything is computed. God knows exactly. Did you know when they were doing the, my brother-in-law works at the Redstone Arsenal and some of the planning sessions with the research scientists and this, they determined that they needed to figure back in space how, where planets were and how things were situated at certain times in history. And they found out the computers all stopped and uh, they figured there's a problem here. What's the matter? Mr. Computer, talk to us. Why did you quit? And Mr. Computer, computers, said to them, there's time missing. There's some time missing. What in the world is missing in time so they finally found a Christian who had a Bible and he said I remember a time when there's fighting a battle and they didn't have enough daylight to finish fighting the battle and the general says to God God you've got to help us said, if you'll just roll back this time a little bit. And the Bible said that God changed time about a day. About a day. Well, I'll shorten the sermon. In another instance, a, a guy was praying. He said, well, God, I know you can back it up, but can you go, go forward any? said, yeah. I said, we can go forward. And when they have made the adjustments that the Christians who believe in a God told them, the computer said, everything's fine, you're working good now. When will we ever learn that without God? Life doesn't make any sense. Without God, no wonder he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. No wonder he said, don't try to make it without me. No wonder he said you've got to have me if you're going to have meaningfulness in your life. You've got to get with me. 
you got to believe in God. You've got to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Him that comes to God must be a believer. Must be a believer. Big bang. That's interesting. A big explosion took place. And all of a sudden, everything just came to order. I don't know about you, but that's not really the way explosions have worked in my experience. Most of the time when something blows up, Charles, it don't fall back into order. Brother, it's blown to smithereens. It's blown. Explosions don't build buildings. Wouldn't it be something if I drove up and said, Michelle, I love y'all's new home. That's a beautiful place. Uh, how did y'all get that? Well, Brother Jerry, there's an explosion over here. We had an explosion. And next thing I knew, that house was just sitting there. Now that takes a fool. That's foolish talk. But the Bible said the fool has said in his heart there is no God. It's foolishness to conceive or try to conceive a world without God. It's foolishness to think that a God, a creator God, didn't create all of this. Amen. And he is our great God. Evolutionists have a real problem right there with that eternity thing. From eternity to eternity, thou art God. The Christian worldview, have you got one? The Christian worldview is that our first cause is that God has no beginning and no ending. You know what first cause is, don't you? That's a scientific, philosophical term that they use for any creation, anything that, that happens. First cause means you got something to start with. It means that if you're going to make something, you've got some raw materials that you're going to make some adjustments, melting, smelting, whatever you do, but it's to take a material that already exists and transform that into something that you want it to be. It's called the first cause. First cause. I want to tell you, evolutionists have a problem there because God doesn't need a first cause. God can speak out into nothing and say, let there be light. And suddenly, everything comes to order. And God says, earth, here you are. I'm going to hang you right out here in space and put you in your orb orbital route with the, the Milky Way and the galaxy and all that is in the universe. And you stay there. He took something and hung it on nothing and said, stay there. And God said, good. God said, good. That's first cause. It means you've got something to start with. God doesn't need something to start with to create. When he creates, he takes nothing and makes something out of it. You see, no wonder Jesus said, you're nothing without me. Amen. Nothing without me. It's called total depravity. It means there's no way for you to better yourself. It means there's no formula, there's no incentive, there's nothing that you can do to better yourself. Only God can make you better. 
Only God can take your nothingness. You'll get this in a minute. Can take your nothingness and speak into your nothingness a word, a messianic seed, a word that God can speak into your nothingness and suddenly things come into order. Things come into order. There's a young man that's pastoring, got a great ministry. His first name is Zach. He lived in the city of Montgomery. I was pastoring in Montgomery at the time and started a television program on, when, on Sunday night at 10 o'clock on Sunday night. That's when it was. And one night about 10.30 or 15 to 11, my phone rang at, at the parsonage there. I answered the phone and he said, my name is Zach and I need to talk to you. I said, why? He said, when I came home tonight from a bad night of doing bad things, said I reached over and pulled the television, the knob on the television, and when it came on, you were preaching. And you had your finger stuck out like that, and you said, God knows who you are, and God knows where you are, and God knows what you need. And he said, can you meet me at your office? I need to get saved. I need to get Get right with God. I said, I'll be there in the morning. He said, won't wait till in the morning. We got to do this tonight. We got to do this tonight. The last Sunday night I was at that church, I baptized Zach. You'll see him on Facebook if you've been around. He calls himself Pastor Zach. He does children's ministry. Pastor the church in Louisiana. His dad was the pastor of First United Methodist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. And the last night that I was pastoring at Vaughn Road Church of God, the pastor at First United Methodist in Montgomery, George Wallace's pastor, I would tell you, came and sat in the service and watched his son get baptized. Can you believe that? I love that story. You know what that tells me? That tells me that he'll do for you what no other power can do. God specializes in things thought impossible. He really does. And he'll do for you what no other power can do. Amen. One Sunday morning, I had a young man come to church. His name was Houston. Houston Kitts. Houston came to that service, and that morning when I preached the message, he came to the altar, and the Lord gloriously and wondrously saved him. I started talking with him in the altar, and he said, I, I, uh, I'm a nightclub entertainer. And he said, I, I work over at Cowboys Lounge over on Highway 80 in Montgomery. And he said, at the Holiday Inn there. And he said, I, I've got a had that gig for quite a while and said, I, I was leaving, going to another gig. And he said, I got uh, arrested and uh, pulled over for DUI and said, I, I t the man that was the jailer said he goes to your church. I said, yes, he does. He said, he told me he'd let me, let me go if I'd go home and be at church this morning. And said, I, I decided that was a good deal for me. And he said, I came to church this morning and said, the Lord has saved me and turned my life around and changed me. 
But he said, I need to ask you something. What do I do about my contract that I've signed to sing there every Saturday night at that lounge? I said, you need to go, but you just need to change the title of your song. I said, if you'll change the title of your song, they'll take care of your contract for you. So Saturday night, he got up and he started singing. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. He said, while I was singing, said my wife Janet was going around putting tracks on people's tables. How you can find Jesus. How you can change your life. How the Lord Jesus can make life brand new for you. Well, needless to say, they got him out of there quick. But there was four couples that followed him out in the parking lot and said, would you tell us more about what it means to know Jesus? Praise God. The next Sunday, I baptized about four or five couples that they'd won to the Lord over at Cowboys Lounge. My blessed Lord. You see, that's the kind of God that's got. That's his nature. That's his nature. When, let me hurry. When Moses was on the backside of Midian, and he was a Bedouin, he was moving about with a nomadic group, tending sheep, working for Laban, his father-in-law. Well, next thing you know, he walks by a burning bush, and that burning bush starts talking to him. And says, Moses, take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. And thus started a conversation between Moses and God. God said, I want you to go down to Egypt. And I want you to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses said, and who... Sir, do you want me to tell them? Sent that message to them. He said, you tell them I am that I am. Sent that message. Brother, no other God, and there were many in Egypt. No God could say, I am that I am. I am that I am. And when you examine it further, it means I will be what I will be. I am what I am, and I will be what I will be. Glory to God. Because the verb is imperfect. It shows continuous action, which means you just put an I-N-G on the end of the verb. I am I am going to be whom I choose and decide I will be. I will be what I will be. I am who I am. I am what I am. And I will be what I will be. And I will be who I will be. And you tell him that's the name 
And when he got down there, he started talking to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, I don't know that God. And I don't know. You brought me down here. I, I, I don't know this God. And you're telling me this God says, let these Israelite slaves go. And God said, when he brought back the mess, he said he didn't know you, God. He said he had no idea who you were. He's got a bunch of gods down there. He's got magicians, and they, they throw down staffs, and they turn into snakes. And he does all the magic, and he does all the stuff. Woo! And God said, you tell him this, that Pharaoh may know that I am the Lord God. Adonai Yahweh. I am the Lord God. Woo! And beside me there is no other God. And that he may know. Said, I'll prove to him who God is. He will see that I am God. And if you'll read, to make the sermon short, if you'll read all the plagues and everything, he finally concluded, I'm no match for this God. Just like every tyrant in the world and history has ever come to know, I'm no match for this God. The fact that God, God said to Moses, he said, Moses, I have seen the affliction of my people and I have heard their crying and their sorrow. I know their sorrow. Now we've come from God being powerful and being a creator to being a compassionate, loving, intervening God who intervenes into our lives. In fact, you might call God a crisis intervener. That in times of trouble, he says, call on me. I'm an intervener. In the times of, of need and won't, call on me. I will supply all of your need according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When you're sick, call on me and I will deliver thee. Offer thanks unto God, the psalmist said, and pay your vows unto the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and thou shalt glorify me. Wow. That our God, the Bible said, I am come down. Come on, Olivia. I am come down. Is that not what God did when he saw our situation and the human condition? The human condition is this. We're depraved. Totally depraved. That means there's nothing we can do to change our plight, and our situation. Totally depraved. Nothing we can do about it. Not a thing. Works righteousness won't get you right relationship with God. For it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy hath He saved us. By the washing of regeneration and by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's not by works of righteousness it is the gift of God, the Bible says. The gift of God. The wages of sin is death. What do you do for wages? Work. 
wages of sin is death, but the gift. What do you do for a gift? I said, what do you do for a gift? You're supposed to say nothing. Nothing. When you're given something, it's just given. Thank God. Isn't that great? That God has given us forgiveness of sin, mercy, grace, truth, peace, joy. All of those wonderful things. The Bible said spiritually. Because he's a spirit, we have to relate to him spiritually. Because he is a person. He knows when we're suffering. He said, I know their sorrow. I've heard their cries and I'm come down. I am come down. Oh, I, I love it. When old E.V. Hill used to preach that out in Los Angeles. I was in a, on a program with TBN with him one time over in Atlanta. And uh, he was talking about, I reminded him of a sermon that he'd preached of that very same thing right there. And the title of his sermon was, God's Answer is Us. He said, when Moses come walking down from that wilderness, wandering with that message to deliver from the heart of God, people looked up and said, who is that coming there? They said, oh, that's Moses. You know him. He left here 40 years ago in a hurry. He killed an Egyptian. You mean God cares about fugitives and people that have done wrong and people that have... Yeah, He really does. You mean God actually can use people like that? He said, Moses, you go down there and you tell them what I told you. They look up and see Him coming... Well, that's, that's Moses. We're looking for God. We've been praying. We've been crying. We've been calling out to God. Oh, God, help us, Lord. We need help. Please get us out of this difficult situation with these Egyptians. And suddenly, here comes Moses. Moses? Who is this Moses? We're looking for God. Sometimes God answers your prayer, and it goes right over your head. Moses, that God can use people. I am come down. The ultimate coming down is when the Lord looked into our condition and saw that we were lost, having no hope and without God in the world. And it was at that time in Galatians 4 and 4 that the Bible said God sent forth His Son. When the fullness of time was come, God sent His Son. God sent His Son. Made of a woman, made under the law, that He might redeem all of those who all of their lifetime were under the law. And I'll close with this one. Romans 5 and 8. But God commendeth His love toward us. You mean God is loving? You mean God has compassion? You mean God is kind? God is faithful? God is committed? He's, he cares about us? He even said in His Word, cast your care upon me, 
because I care about you. And that kind of God says, I loved you when you didn't love me. God commended this love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What kind of a God is it that loves people that don't love him and dies for? God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Every one of us in this room, every one of us, he died for all of us. And that's the kind of God that I'm going to serve until I die. Old Satan's as busy as he can be. He's trying his best to get you and me. But there is one thing that I surely know. He's got a mighty long way to go. I'm glad, so glad, that God still got some children. That God still got some children who will not be bought nor sold. And if that's you, I want to tell you, your God can be trusted because he's faithful. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Stand with me, please. If you could get up here, I'd like for you to come up here this morning. I want to love on you just a little bit. Could you do that? God bless your heart. Look how sweet you are. Thank you so much. Come on up here. That's right. I won't bite you, I promise. Won't hit you, knock you down. I won't do any of that. Just want you to come up here and love on me a little bit. I want to love on you back. We need to love on one another a little bit. We need to do some togethering and some one anothering. God's people need to do some one anothering. God loves it when you do one anothering. God loves it when you fellowship. God loves it when you do good things for one another. He's that kind of a God. And He loves to do good things. He said, if you, being earthly, being fleshly, know how to give good things, good gifts to your children, how much more how much more, how much greater than that did the one who created us want to give good things to them that love him? God wants to give you something good today. God wants to do something great for you today. He's been waiting on me to get through so he could get to this point so he could do something good for you. He is a right now God. And He's a right now intervener. He's a right now on time, on this spot. God, He's right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Right now. Right now. Right now. Not tomorrow or the next day or some place in... He's here right now. You don't have to wait any longer. There'll never be a better time. There'll never be a better place. There'll never be a better occasion than for you to get what God wants you to have.
Well, Brother Jerry, if I'd have known I was going to get a gift today, I might have dressed up a little bit. Well, that's the wonderful thing about him. He takes you just like you are. I said he takes you just like you are. You can't impress him. You can't fool him. Don't try. I promise you, you won't like the result of it. But when you honestly just lay yourself bare before him and just say, God, here I am. And here's my need. Don't be afraid to tell him. You can be specific. He doesn't mind you being specific. He doesn't mind you just getting right to the cut, right to the heart of the matter. Just said, God, I need this. God, I need you to do this for me. Be specific. Don't, don't beat around the bush. Never a better time than right now. You've got his full attention right now. You're in his lap, elbows on his knees, and you're looking right straight into his face. And he's looking right straight at you saying, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Whatever you have need of. You know, Jesus needed a boat to preach out of. And Karen, he told the disciples, said, go over there and find the guy that owns this boat and tell him that I have need of that boat. Well, it's just an old fishing boat. I use it every day to catch fish, to sell it to market, and make a living for my family. Well, if you'll put it in the hand of God, if you'll let God have what He needs right now, you'll see a miracle. He said, use the old boat, pushes it out. Get up there and preach. And after the preaching was over, Jesus said, now let your net down deep. Because there's fixing to be a big load of fish caught right here today. I'm fixing to bless you with a big old blessing because you let me use what I needed. Oh, you'll, you'll see this in a minute. It'll come, it'll come through in a minute. If you put something in the hand of God that God needs and God can use, then, brother, you are just putting yourself in line for a blessing of God. A blessing of God. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but I don't want to pray and you, you just sit there and listen. You pray. Amen. Because I don't know what you need. I said, I don't know what you need. But I want you to tell God, are you ready? Well, he's up there, so he might as well look up. All right. God, in Jesus' name, I come to you right now. And I ask you, oh God, that you would supply every need in this house. I prayed about this moment and you told me this is the way you wanted me to do this. And God, this is what I'm doing and I'm obeying you. You sent me just like you sent Moses. And I've got a message and I've sent it and I've given it to these people. And now I pray, oh Lord Jesus, that you would let the good grace of God open up the windows of heaven, Lord, and let a blessing flow down upon this church. Let a blessing flow down upon these people. Let a blessing flow down upon these children and these workers in this church. God, we need you to open up 
the valve and let the glory of the Lord fall upon us and let the glory of the Lord minister and strengthen and encourage us in the most holy faith. You're a great God and beside you there is none other. There's no problem that you can't solve. There's no difficulty that you can't get through. There's no mountain you can't climb. There's no valley that you can't get us through. God, in Jesus' name, we just look to you right now as the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before you endured the cross, despising the shame, and you're sat down in that one eternal day with our great God where we're going one day. I praise you, O Lord, for victory this great day in Jesus. I praise you, God, for the victory that you've given to every man, woman, boy, and girl in this altar. And I pray for every one of them this would be a, a landmark day, a new beginning of walking with God in faith and power and full expectancy that he's going to take care of us. Lord, I praise you for that. Now, could you do some praising? I said, could you do some praising? Could you do some praising? Have you got a praise to give? Have you got an offering to give, a praise offering to God? Have you got an offering? God, we lift up our praise. We lift up our worship. We lift up our glory. We lift up our voices, oh God, unto your greatness. We praise and adore you and worship you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, our great God. Our great God. Our great God. I love it when W.H. prays, he says, great God. Great God. Great God. He is a great God. You remember last Sunday when we prayed in the altar, I believe it was. I don't think they're here this morning. Saletta and Doug was... Yeah, I see him. Come here, Doug. I want you to t testify a little bit. He was over. You got, got a minute? Just a minute. I won't hold you long. Come over here with Pastor. This man was in the hospital. Had a fever, 103.9. They were trying to get his fever to come down, trying to break his fever using every, every available means. But they were watching online I understand and as this church prayed something happened in the hospital room last week well as as we was watching online in between people coming in and out but when Jerry got down in the aisle and started praying nobody bothered us we was all quiet in the room and my wife's letter came over there and laid the phone on my shoulder. And uh, the spirit came into the room. My fever broke. And I haven't had one since, thank the Lord. Amen. And I give God credit. And thank you. Praise God.